The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. A busy week, a fun week to say the least. A lot going on and a lot happening with the Cincinnati Bengals. Happy holidays, everybody. I'm Anthony Cazenza with the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast. And I'm joined by the jolly man himself, John Sheeran. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Yeah, how you doing, Anthony? Happy holidays to everyone from, from me and Randall, uh, Santa back there. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's um, festive. Wow. Yeah, I had to dig that uh, Santa hat out of the um, the attic here. Um, I always love your. I always love Anthony's titles for these podcasts because they're always kind of just they're kind of cheeky and they're kind of clever with what's going on. North by Midwest, North by Northwest. I like watched that for the first time. It's like a college junior. It was a pretty decent movie, but pretty, pretty solid one this week. I, I'll give it. I'll give it a nine out of ten. Thank you, thank you. I, it's just I try and get clever with them. Sometimes they suck, but uh, every once in a while, I, I saw that, I wrote that one out, and I was like, "Ooh, I kind of, kind of dig on that one." That's an old, uh, that's an old Hitchcock movie. Uh, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't, old, old movie, but uh, a play on words. That's you know, I'm the king of the pun. I'm a wordsmith. I don't know what else to say. But hey, we've got a, we've got a packed show. We've had a packed, packed week full of. Other appearances on shows, talking with Ravens side of, of things with other podcasts, um, obviously other kind of extracurriculars between work and holiday stuff, everything. But it's been a fun week. And uh, we've so we've got the Broncos game to talk about. We're going to talk about the Pro Bowl nominations and what happened there, what we what we make of the nominations by the Cincinnati Bengals and by the NFL. And then we're going to be joined by Justin from the YouTube channel in Graven Vids. If you haven't, he's he's been on our show before. It's pretty much a yearly tradition uh, since the last couple of years. Dude has his channel up to about 50,000 subscribers because he kills it. He does NFL news. He does Ravens news. And he has a high-quality production show that he does. So uh, definitely go check him out. Check out his channel and subscribe to him there. So uh, we're, we're going to be hearing from him in a little bit. But... We've got a lot to get to. The Bengals are back to winning ways, so to speak. 
So we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Before we do, I want to remind everybody to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If for some reason you're new to ours, you can uh, click the icon right below John and below the SB Nation icon down there. Click that to subscribe, the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. And then, of course, you can get our show on any major audio platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of those where you can get the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, Ace and Zims, Orange is the New Black, Matt Minix, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk, all that. And by the way, John, I don't know if you saw, Zim on Twitter is giving away tickets to the, a suite at Paul Brown Stadium for the Chiefs game. I, I, I saw that. I'm like, dude, what? However connected you think Zim is, he's more connected. Don't Never underestimate that, man. Uh, yeah, I, he, the dude is, uh, and he's he's got access to those, and he ain't using them for himself. He is giving them away. So go check out what he's what he's asking for. It's not really. It's really actually just trying to find a good Samaritan and a Bengals fan out there that's doing some cool stuff. So shout out to Zim. That was pretty cool. Uh, there is a a shout out to my, our buddy Mike Holbrook, who has uh, been a good good friend of this show for a number of different reason says give a shout out to florida mike in florida good to hear from you buddy um all right john let's talk about um well hey before we do Akilah the great thanks for the super chat if you are so inclined to give a super chat we appreciate it thank you Akilah. zim is a mad scientist and dude does not shy away from conflict on twitter i love it i love it from other fan bases it's the best all right so Denver Broncos, Bengals win 15 to 10. Um, they really just kind of hung around and hung around and the Broncos hung around and nobody really wanted to take control of this game. Obviously the turning point, a couple of turning points, the big McPherson kick, the record setter for the Bengals. Uh, and then of course the Tyler Boyd touchdown. Um, there's kind of one major talking point we'll get to in a second, but your overarching thoughts on the Bengals pulling this one out. Well, I think we rated the Broncos pretty fairly entering the game, a solid team worthy of being seven and six with that record, the things that they, that they did well, the overall quality of that roster. I think, though, kind of going away from the 49ers game when we expected the Bengals to open up the passing game a little bit more, and that's what they tried to do early in this game. We definitely under underestimated the Broncos ability to basically shut down passing offenses like a few weeks before this game. Justin Herbert had one of his worst games ever against that Broncos defense. And it's, it's no joke. Like we can say what we want about Vic Fangio and his ability as a head coach, but as an architect of a defense, and a guy who coaches up a well-rounded discipline unit, he's one of the best. And he has the personnel to do basically whatever he wants on defense. And that is what happened in this game with the Bengals offense. They tried to open up the passing game and their receivers just could not get anything going up against those coverages, whether it was just strictly just man coverage for the Broncos or just lack of timing or just there weren't a lot of mistakes or mishaps or miscommunications. It was just a really good secondary outplaying a really good receiving core. And that limited the Bengals offense tremendously. The offense line didn't play bad, but it looked bad at times because a lot of coverage sacks, a lot of coverage pressures, if you will. And they couldn't really get anything going in the in the running game up until maybe the very end. And even then, it still wasn't explosive. And that was the same case with the Broncos, too. Broncos don't have a really good quarterback. They don't have any good quarterbacks. Unfortunately for them, they had to go to their backup in this game because of what happened to Teddy Bridgewater. And the Bengals secondary played well enough to limit Teddy B and Drew Locke, who ultimately couldn't get it done at the end of the day. So it was... We called it ugly, I think, in the moment. But I don't know if this was an ugly win. I think it was just two teams 
trying to make the best of what the opponent was giving them. And ultimately, the Bengals made less mistakes, which was not the case in the last two weeks. And that's why they came out on top in this one. It's a fair point. And I mean, it it made for not great watching uh, of a football game. I mean, they're just two total touchdowns in the game. It's like, oh boy, I, I will say I had to beat my chest a little bit after that mix in first down run late in the third quarter that netted, I think 12 or 14 yards. I said, you know, it was on first down and he got a first down. And I said, watch, watch this first down play be a play action. And lo and behold, it was the one to Tyler Boyd because they had been running on first down quite frequently and early downs quite frequently. And I just felt like that, you know, we we've complained a bit about play calling. We've complained a bit about slow starts and rightfully so in some instances, but that was a case where it was kind of an okie doke. If, if, if I can use kind of a, a boxing reference, it was kind of like, you know, we're going to do this. And then all of a sudden just a quick, you know, look over here, boom. And they, they just, they, they hit it at a perfect time because it, that was set up after Mixon got the big, it was like his biggest run of the day, first down. And immediately you're, you're thinking is the Broncos defense, I assume you're going, well, they're just going to give them, give it right back to him. They haven't been able to move much in, in the passing game today. They finally got that first down on first down. They've been running on first down quite frequently. They're going to try it again. And it was, it was just a great play call. It was a great play call right there. And really was one of the major differences in the game along with John, the, the halftime, the, the pre halftime swing, the six point swing, right? The kicker for Denver McManus misses the kick. And then the Bengals, they didn't do the Marvin Lewis route. They didn't sit on the ball, right? They, they did a nice quick 19 yard strike to Boyd sets up what would be a franchise record kick for, for McPherson. And he hits it. It was entertaining when everyone basically flamed Fangio for his handling or mismanaging that, that two minute drill or whatever you want to call it. And of course it was ended with McManus, who was a really good kicker in his own right, missing a 51 yard field goal in, in his home stadium. Um, and yeah, the Bengals had an opportunity to get that six point swing and get the lead at the halftime, but it's like, it, ultimately it did, it did matter in the end of the game because it gave them three extra points, but it's not like it gave them a boost offensively in the third quarter. They were still really lackluster coming out of the gate in the second half up until, like you said, that, that 56 yard touchdown to Tyler Boyd. And I feel like they were setting up that play a lot in this game and they, they tried some more play action concepts. And one of them ended up in like a sack. Justin Simmons read yeah. that beautifully. They didn't have a lot of success in this game and it was crazy up and up like the first three quarters of the game, their best, play against strictly like man free man coverage against the Broncos defense was Burrow scrambling for first downs and he talked yeah. about this after the game he said yeah this is this is a game that I probably couldn't have had earlier in the season when he was still regaining trust in that knee but we saw more trust in extending plays and running up the field and getting the the yardage needed because he needed every single one of those first downs that he ran for because it just wasn't outside of that 56 yard pass. I think Burrow had maybe just over 100 yards, 100 yards passing. It would have been yeah. significantly less yards per attempt. Jamar Chase was basically shut out along with T Higgins. Tyler Boyd, though, my God, like it's the it was the chase show for the first seven weeks. T Higgins goes on the stretch of 100 yard games and now it's Tyler Boyd's time, maybe. And now he's got a game against a team that he usually performs well this upcoming Sunday, only five catches, but you have to, you look at those five catches and at least four of them were extremely significant in their own right. Yeah. Every single time he caught the ball, it was a big moment and it actually meant something. There was the 19 yard reception right before 
the record setting kick by Evan McPherson. There was obviously the 56 yard touchdown, even and probably the most important play of the game, a run in the middle, third and eight, just over the middle route. He catches it in a contested situation and allows the offense to chew more clock before giving the, the ball back to the Broncos. So Tyler Boyd, I think you talked about it after the game. It was a long time coming with the season with how Chase and Higgins were kind of popping off, but yeah. it's now kind of seems like the arrival of these three receivers who can basically go off in any given week. So that brings up the interesting point and the major talking point, I think, from this game as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. You mentioned you didn't really think it was a, an ugly win for the Bengals. It may, may not have been the most palatable game from a viewership standpoint or something like no that. Unless you, yeah, unless you really like kickers or something. Uh, you know, there, there's, uh, there wasn't too much to really enjoy or sink your teeth into as a, as a football watching fan. But, okay, so th- there are two schools of thought here, and I think most are kind of in one camp. But there's the school of thought of, you know, the Bengals came off of two, two bad losses against the 49ers and the Chargers. because They get this game – probably the most winnable of this stretch of games that they have coming up. Still not an easy one, but the most winnable. And they they barely kind of eke one out based on some timely defensive plays and one or two plays on offense, essentially. You know, I don't know how much confidence this inspires to beat the Ravens, beat the Chiefs, and or beat the Browns, get into the postseason and get a win. The other school of thought is, that, like you mentioned with the receivers, they're beating you in different ways. They have won games in a lot of different ways this year, whether it's blowing out divisional opponents, whether it's in overtime or last-minute thrilling victories against like teams like the Jaguars and the Vikings. There are the, you know, then, then there's this type of game where they kind of win ugly, quote-unquote. So I guess the question or the talking point, John, are you actually kind of inspired by this win and and hopeful based on the fact that this, while this wasn't pretty, this is kind of one of those late season, gross weather, all those kinds of old football cliches. And you say, you know, the Bengals are finding ways to win. Or are you looking at it and saying, still not convincing enough and still I, I don't know how viable this team is in this last stretch of games and potentially into the postseason? Well, I think about this and I, and I hark back to something that someone said to me on Twitter and how he was a little disappointed because this is supposed to be a top offense and they're barely doing anything against the Broncos team. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, this isn't a top offense. It was a top offense on paper entering the season, but that was if certain factors were to come to fruition and they haven't. This is right now a league average offense being quarterbacked by a really good quarterback, but there are limitations holding this team back. Knowing that and knowing who they were up against, this is more or less the game that was supposed to happen. It was quote-unquote ugly, but you look at the other two games that they played before this, a combined six turnovers, two muff punts, multiple interceptions, <laughs> a lot of game-breaking moments that made those games a lot tougher than they had to be. I don't look at this Broncos win as ugly. Unpleasant, for sure, in terms of just watching it on tape and watching it in real time, but an ugly win, to me, it, it sounds like you're making mistakes and you're putting yourselves in bigger holes to get out of. In this case... They didn't really make a lot of mistakes. They were just kind of outplayed in certain areas, and that made the game tougher. Tough wins are wins. Ugly wins are wins. I don't think this was an ugly win to me. There was one statement you just made there about, you know, they they basically were taking what was given to them and or they just had a tough time making plays, yet they made a couple 
down the stretch. And that that's the sort of thing that I think you build on as a team. That's the sort of thing that you can cling to as a fan base where you say, you know, again, not great what football watching for this game, but again, it's kind of one of those things that it, it makes you feel like they can, they can climb out of a lot of different scenarios as a team, uh, a lot of negative scenarios or a lot of, you know, obviously they can build positive momentum. And, and we know when this team is good, they are very good. When they put it together, they don't make mistakes, all of that. They can be very good. The scores against the Ravens and Steelers indicate that. But, you know, so it's not going to be like that week in, week out. That's just not going to be the case. And sometimes against another team with a tough defense, you're going to need to, you know, fight, scratch, and claw to, to get a win. And I think that's what's encouraging here. Now, you know, I, I, I guess – my my hesitation, I mentioned it before, is it's coming on the heels of a two-game losing streak where there were a lot of mistakes and stuff. So that's that's what gives me pause where I love that the mistakes were remedied, um, you know, especially on the special team side of things from the week prior. But I, I don't I, – I, I'm a, I am glad they pulled out a critical win. I don't know that I'm just overly exuberant or excited about the result here just because it was kind of like, they just were having trouble. I mean, they were having trouble making plays and, and putting up points. That's exactly right. And, you know, fans are saying, like, you'd rather win ugly in this case than lose pretty. But right, right. winning ugly, it creates the conversation of, okay, you won, but there are some things to take away in terms of projecting what this team is going to be down the road. There are problems that exist and that could come back to haunt them against better teams or just teams that have better rosters to take advantage of some of those deficiencies in this game against Teddy B and Drew Locke, and just a not very explosive offense, they were able to grind out a 15-10 a to 10 win. That's not going to be the case against the Kansas City Chiefs. It may not even be the case against the Cleveland Browns. Despite all their issues, they still haven't found a way to stop that offense. It's, it may not be the case in the playoffs where I think you like the Bengals' chances in basically any game that they play, but there are going to be more talented teams than the Broncos in there. So can they win this game again against a better team? I don't know. That remains to be seen, but that's why we're kind of having this discussion. Yeah, a lot of different interesting comments in our live chats here. Um, you know, Kyle Millard says a lot of penalties these last few games compared to earlier in the year. True, there are also some penalties. My God, that Bradley Chubb play on Drew Sample, that the fact that that wasn't called was just utterly absurd. Um, and then I, I don't know what, what your thoughts were on the Quentin Spain hold on that busted play that, that negated a big play to chase. So um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, there's... That's that's a point of concern, I suppose. But uh, I mean, overall, they've been playing pretty clean. Yeah, and there were some issues, I think, uh, in the previous two games that they ran into some more penalties. But I don't remember too many crucial penalties. I think there was maybe one on like an Eli Apple pass interference, maybe mm-hmm. like kind of late in the game, I believe. But I mean, there's no explanation with that Bradley Chubb one. Oh you can kind of you can kind of feel like he was feeling himself afterwards because he was like dancing around after like a false start. He was like he knows that this is like a game where everything's going to go right for him, but right. I don't think he ended up getting a sack or anything like that. He's not had a very good year, but I think he just had a, a pretty favorable day there with the, with the with the zebras. Yeah, and then Josh Cook here. This is an interesting comment. These guys were sucking wind all game. I bet they're just glad to be out of that thin air. I mean, that that definitely plays a part of it. I mean, played it apart into things positively for the Bengals in terms of Evan McPherson kicking. Um, but I think also, you know, condition conditioning and all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's definitely a factor if you don't play in that regularly. I don't know if we're, if I'm allowed to say this, um, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. 
Uh, someone on Twitter said that that McPherson kick, because of the context of what it was, was a literal piss missile. And I was laughing for five minutes afterwards. <laughs> that could have been that that record setter. That that was good for maybe like sixty five, man. I mean, he had he had. He said he didn't play. he didn't kick it as cleanly cleanly as he wanted to, too. Ugh, ugh, unbelievable. Um, at, at any rate, uh, the Bengals, I guess, win ugly, and we'll take it fifteen to ten. They get to eight and six, and then John, before we segue into Pro Bowls and all that stuff, just kind of a a conference and division update. Baltimore that well earlier that day Pittsburgh pulls out a miracle against Tennessee couldn't believe what I watched on that one Cincinnati ends up beating Denver shortly after that game concludes we see the end of Baltimore and Green Bay Baltimore hosting the Packers they come back and tie it up with backup quarterback Tyler Huntley and then of course well opportunity to tie it up I should say and they for the second time, actually, I, I learned, I, I think it was the third time in this three-game losing streak that they went for two and had a, had a massive failure, two of which were at the, the final final time of the game there, and they fail. So they fall to eight and six, temporarily giving the Bengals control of the North. And then, John, did you witness what happened with that COVID rescheduled game between the Raiders and the Browns? Great football that game. Fantastic football. Oh, you, you thought the Broncos and Bengals were not watchable. Oh. And, you know, Browns easily could have won that game. Raiders are nothing impressive. And all they have to do is just tackle, I believe it was like Foster Murrow, the Raiders tight end at the end of the game. They let him go out of bounds. They let him get like eight more yards or something like that. And Daniel Carson, Carlson has been absolute money for them as yeah. a kicker. So, man, just talk about a backbreaker. Like the Browns, like if they lose one more game, I it's hard to imagine. I know I just talked about like the, the Bengals defense having trouble against that offense, but it really is hard to imagine the Browns having any effort in like a final week setting where they're out of the playoffs based on how many expectations were bestowed upon them this season. It, it kind of feels like that game could be ripe for the taking for the Bengals if if they fall apart against the Packers here pretty soon. Yeah, so the Bengals now are in... Uh, control of the AFC North, but they have the tied record. Obviously, the tiebreaker is that they've beaten Baltimore previously. That is all going to be on the line here this Sunday, and we'll talk about it in just a couple minutes. Again, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have all of you with us, whether you're joining live or listening after the live recording. Uh, You're welcome to join us for the live ones, whether that's on YouTube or Cincy Jungle's Facebook page one of the twitter accounts that we have at streaming too so come uh, come join us live if you will and if you can't that's okay too just check us out on the audio platforms or the youtube channel later that's cool too and hopefully you enjoy all kinds of different content we've been bringing you john before we get to the pro bowl nominations for the cincinnati Bengals, we gotta let the folks know about symbol s-i-m-b-u-l-l and Symbol, we've been partnering them with them for the really the entire year here, for the most part, right before the draft, and then up until through and through the regular season. But s i m b u l l dot com slash obi is the website, and it is a football investment platform. It's not gambling. It's not sports betting. It is where you can invest in teams like they are stocks. You can buy shares of stocks in teams, whether that's the Bengals, whether that's another team, even another sport 
John. They give you all kinds of different opportunities. That's right. There is the NFL. There is Power 5 college football, but there's also the NBA, the NHL, whenever that uh, decides to start up again, and the MLB, whenever that decides to not be locked out. But yeah, basically <laughs> all the all the major sports in this this country of the USA, you can invest in teams at their current share prices, which is based on the market, based on how you guys want to buy and sell those teams. And you can use your knowledge of sports or your favorite teams to buy low, potentially sell high, maybe hold on to those investments for months or years, however long that you see fit. It really is like working in the stock market, but it's with your favorite sports teams or your favorite sports leagues, however you want to do it. And for OBI listeners, symbol in the spirit of the holidays is giving mm-hmm. you guys a fantastic deal. If you go to simbull.com forward slash OBI and use the promo code OBI to sign up, you get up to $500 of your first deposit completely risk-free in the first 90 days. If you are unsatisfied with a symbol market, if you just feel like it's not for you, if you're losing money left and right because you sneak at it, you can take out up to $500 of your first initial deposit within the first three months 100% 100% risk-free, right back into your pocket where it started. Simple really wants you to get in on some of this action, and I want you to get in on some of this action. Anthony wants you to get in on some of this action. Tis the season to dominate the Symbol market. Symbol.app forward slash OBI, promo code OBI. Get in on it. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, John, the Bengals have three pro bowlers and they are all deserving. You want to run us through who those are and uh, how we got how we got where we are with the three Pro Bowl nominations. Yeah, we kind of nailed it in our predictions last week, but we have yeah. three uh, Pro Bowl um, nominations. One of them is a starter. That starter is Jamar Chase, wide receiver, and as well as Joe Mixon and Trey Hendrickson. They are also voted in into the initial Pro Bowl roster. I say initial because these things do end up changing. Um, guys drop out. Maybe they don't play because they're preparing for the Super Bowl or whatnot, which is why they have alternates. And the Bengals have five alternates for this upcoming Pro Bowl couple of OSU guys in Von Bell. You got Sam Hubbard. Um, the other ones are looting me at the moment. Okay, we got Larry Ogunjobi and Clark Harris and Mike Hilton. Harris is not new to the Pro Bowl, surprisingly. He made his first Pro Bowl back in 2017. But all the other guys, oh, how can I forget? Joe Burrow, second alternate at quarterback. Every single one aside from Harrison, this is, uh, aside from Harris, is their first Pro Bowl nominee, nomination of any kind. Those guys are alternates, but you got Chase, Mixon, 
Hendrickson, all 100% worthy of being starters or making the uh, initial Pro Bowl roster. Anthony, your thoughts on those three, as well as, as the five alternates. I think we can agree that one of those alternates probably should not be an alternate, though. Correct. Uh, I, you know, I, I like you said, we kind of called it last week where we, we felt that these were the three that were going to make it. Um, <clears throat> we had we made cases for a lot of other players, a lot of other Bengals players to potentially make it. And uh, chips fell where we kind of thought they would uh, would fall. And and it is what it is. Uh, I had a couple of thoughts on this. And really, aside from those three being deserving, the one thing I looked at with this was kind of a, a long-term look. I mean, it, we'll, we'll talk about Joe Burrow in a second, but the long-term look of the free agency aspect. And when you look at who made it for the for the Bengals, their big free agency acquisition in Trey Hendrickson, who are alternates, free agent acquisition, Larry Ogunjobi, free agent acquisition, Mike Hilton. Um, so, I mean, so now we talk about, you know, are the Bengals an attractive free agency destination? And that's what, that was some of the talking points in years past. And, you know, are they going to be active in free agency going forward because the Trey Wayne's contract may be kind of blowing up in their face a little bit. I just kind of began thinking about, well, we can talk and talk about and focus on the Trey Wayne's contract. He still has time to potentially remedy things there, but I mean, you look at, Ogunjobi, I mean, BJ Hill was a trade, but Ogunjobi, Hilton, Hendrickson, Eli Apple even. I mean, so when you look at the free agency stuff that this team has done, all of a sudden that we worried about, or I, at least I did about, you know, is the Wayne's contract going to have them crawl back in their shell a little bit in terms of outside free agents talent. And when you have a list like this with alternates and starters, that kind of tells you, hey, the, their free agency moves are actually kind of paying off, despite the one that that is lingering over everybody's head. Seven of these eight guys, I think, were acquired within the last two years. The only yep. other guy was Harris. Fun fact about Harris, he, not um, Torrey James or Trey Hendrickson, was the last free agent the Bengals signed to make a Pro Bowl. Technically, Clark Harris go. was a free agent there when he go. was signed <laughs> in like 2010, and then he made a Pro Bowl in 2017 but these guys hilden hubbard was ex- or i guess okay hubbard was drafted but he was extended that was the decision that they made this offseason ogan joby was a free agent signing joe burrow was obviously drafted jamar chase was drafted they took some heat with that they extended joe mixon uh in the previous offseason duke tobin probably up for executive of the year based off of just this information alone and their most expensive free agent signing in team history makes his first pro bowl and has a breakout year based off of or breaking out from the year that he had prior when a lot of people, including myself, didn't think he was capable of replicating that. It, it speaks a lot to the decisions that they made this offseason and the direction of which they built this roster. And it kind of goes to show you there are multiple ways to acquire talent. And the first time they actually take this seriously, it really does pay off well for them. Well, the other the other facet I'm sure you want to talk about, Joe Burrow, deserving. I think we all feel that he is deserving. I know it would be a tight race based on all kinds of things. There are factors. He is the number one PFF quarterback by their metrics uh, and their scores on the season. He is up there in the leaders of touchdowns and passing yards. He's also up there, though, John, in leaders of interceptions. 
Um, so, I mean, that obviously plays against him a little bit, but you have a guy like Lamar Jackson who has had a good year, but was not, is, has not been the same Lamar Jackson from, from the MVP year. Um, still, I mean, productive has had the injury issues and whatnot, but, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, is this just more chip on the shoulder stuff for Joe Burrow to be like overlooked again? Probably. Um, especially with the timing of this news and the fact that they sure. played the Ravens and Lamar may or may not play in that game. Lamar, I don't think a lot of people know that he ha- he is decently close to a thousand rushing yards because mm-hmm. just it doesn't seem like he's been that effective as a runner this year, but he has 767. He's still averaging six yards a carry. Ultimately, fans know who Lamar Jackson is when he's healthy. And at least in the first half of the season, he was arguably the a front runner to win league MVP based off mm-hmm. what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't really been that well or that good or healthy in the previous five games. And that apparently wasn't enough to tank some momentum with him in the voting process. I love Lamar Jackson. I love watching him play. I think objectively Joe Burrow has just been better though. And if we're just going to use the Pro Bowl as a way to distinguish who are the three best quarterbacks in the AFC, there is no objective argument where Joe Burrow is not one of them. Is, is it fair that he's a second alternate? Of course, he he at least belongs in the conversation and whatnot. I understand the rationale and the reasoning behind putting a quarterback like Lamar Jackson in an exhibition environment where he can just run around, make some highlight reel plays, assuming that his ankle is fine. But in terms of who actually earns this and who was the better player, it, it was Joe Burrow. And I think we all kind of realized that. Yeah, and there's there's popularity contests and all kinds of stuff that go into that. So. Um, if I, if I know Joe Burrow, uh, and we're so tight, you know, we're, we're like this, but if I, if I know what I know about Joe Burrow and what I have heard about Joe Burrow, this is just more fuel for the fire. This is more just a hey, bring, bring me the hate. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of, kind of, and it, it feeds him, it fuels him. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much a pro bowl really mattered to him. But uh, like you said, I mean, these guys, these guys talk, they know, they, they keep an eye on things, they hear things, and it's undoubtedly on his radar. And th- they will come, they will come in time. This is his second season. He could arguably be playing better and more consistent. And maybe with a more consistent season, he does get that recognition. Um, but we did talk about potentially why he couldn't make it and why he won't make it because Mahomes. And Herbert, they've both thrown a lot more, and therefore they've gotten a lot more passing yardage. And the ballot is ordered by passing yards. I think they're the only two AFC quarterbacks with over 4,000 yards in the season. Burrow is not that far behind, but does create some distance in the ballot. I don't know if that's the primary reason why, but I think if they had unleashed Burrow a little bit more and upped his volume stats, he might have had, may have had a better chance. But I don't know. It's just... People want to see Mahomes and Herbert just chuck it deep in an all-star game and Lamar, you know, have some jukes and spins. So it, it makes sense. Well, those are your Bengals pro bowlers and alternates. Wanted to run you through that and give our thoughts on that. Uh, obviously, we kind of both were in agreement that we felt that Joe Burrow was kind of deserving of a nod there, but uh tight race. We know, we know that how that, how that works. Well, we're going to give our thoughts on the matchup between the Ravens and the Bengals in just a little bit. Predictions, important facets of the game, etc. However, earlier, unfortunately, he couldn't join us for the live recording. So we have a, a previous sit down. And unfortunately, my colleague John here was unavailable at the time as well. But we have a sit down with 
Justin of Engraven Vids, as I teased before. And uh, I, I, I'll share it here real quick before we get to the interview. We had a, a great sit down and talked about this game coming up here. But just quickly, if if you would, if you like NFL news, if you like our happening headline show or our Monday show, where we kind of go through NFL storylines. It's um, I, I really it, I'm not kidding. It kind of was inspired by by this channel here and based on what Justin does. And obviously you can see he's oh so close to 50,000 subscribers. So he does an awesome job on his channel. Go give him a sub subscribe and like some of his videos. He's awesome. He's really, really sharp, knows a lot about the Ravens, knows a lot about the NFL. And uh, we were pleased to be talking with him. So we are going to play that interview for you now. And afterwards, John and I are going to give our thoughts on this game coming up and uh, give you a score prediction, etc. All right. Well, as teased before, we are joined by Justin from the great YouTube channel, Engraven Vids. Got a ton of subscribers, a guy that is very kind to this show and uh, one of our favorites at least outside of the Bengals bubble. Justin, uh, I know you're busy. <laughs> I know you're a busy guy, man. How's it going? Everything is good. Every, everything is going really good. So I, I appreciate you having me on again. I think we've been doing this for the past two, two, three years, two years, two years. I forget how yeah, long it's been. Well, I appreciate you're one it. of our favorites, man. Yeah, you're one of our favorites for sure. And uh, we, we appreciate the time. I know it's just a hectic time for a lot of people right now. And you've got a lot going on. We've got a lot going on. But the most important thing, Justin, there's a big game this Sunday. There's a big game yeah. this Sunday between the Bengals and the Ravens. I guess just wh where do we start here? Um, let, mm. Let's let's rewind. I guess we can turn back the clock a little bit and look at what has transpired so far this year. What is your take on this year's version of the Baltimore Ravens? Uh, personally speaking, uh, I look at them and I say I kind of marvel, honestly, at where they're at based on the amount of injuries they have accrued at mm. critical spots. <laughs> Yes. how they have wanted to construct their roster, at least from my side on the outside looking in. But I would love to kind of get your thoughts. They're eight and six. Technically, they're tied with the Bengals in the division. The Bengals have the lead from the head to head. But mm -hmm. what do you make of this team so far this year and what you've seen? Um, with the Ravens, I just feel like who's left? That That's probably been the best the best way to explain their season this season. Who's left? Who do you have left that's going to suit up? Um, but at the same time, uh, since we have lost so many guys to injuries and, and now recently uh, on game days and right before game days, yeah. lost guys due to COVID. Um, so it's just like so next man up is like, yeah, well, yo, there was one point in this season, even right now, you could even say it again. Who's going to be the next man up? So this I feel like this has been the most busy, craziest season for Ravens roster moves ever. Now I know um when the when these teams initially create their uh their 53 man roster at the beginning of the season we all know that that's never their final 53 uh but for the Ravens it's like you look at who was supposed to be on that roster yeah. and then you look at now and it's like man like wow but at the same time um they are again 8 and 6 Bengals are 8 and 6 uh so for them to be fighting for first place and even for them to have even once had first place for a little bit it seemed like it was so long ago right now but for them to have even uh to be fighting for first place in the afc north with everything that they've lost it it, it speaks volumes to 
uh, the team, it speaks volumes to their fight uh, because it shows that they're not laying down. They're not just going to be like, oh, you know what? We have all the excuses in the world. So, you know what? Let's take advantage of those excuses and just come out flat. They, they've still been fighting. I mean, really, the only game where they've come out flat uh, and, and been flat the entire game was uh, that the last Bengals game. Y'all put that beat down on us. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, they've, uh, they've shown a lot of fight. So, hopefully, in round two, they can keep that fight up. It's to me, quite honestly, I know a lot of folks based on where the Bengals have been the last couple of years, where they are this year in the playoff hunt. A lot of people are saying, hey, if the Bengals end up making a push to the playoffs, making it in, maybe Zach Taylor's a coach of the year candidate. Personally speaking, I look at the Ravens and what you just talked about, all the things they've had to endure this year from a roster standpoint. And I say, if the Baltimore Ravens make it into the playoffs, John Harbaugh should be a legitimate coach of the year candidate. But I know there are some mixed opinions on John Harbaugh a bit right now mm -hmm. because of some of the decisions that he has made at the end of the game mm -hmm. in terms of two-point conversions, quote-unquote, going for the win mm -hmm. um, in this three-game losing streak. I think it was twice in the three-game losing streak, right, that they that he opted to go for two and they didn't convert. So what do you make of all, John all Harbaugh? Three games, and, actually. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I thought of two, yeah. So, I but mean, I it, guess... It, it did happen twice at the... It happened at the end of the two of the games, but he went for two in all three uh, in the fourth quarter. So That's right, that's right, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the Mark Andrews plays, the two, oh, the yeah, two yeah, that I can... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I guess my point is, you know, there's two different paths that this season can take, and really it comes to a head mm -hmm. largely on this Sunday, but... Yes. Let's say, I mean, I think obviously Harbaugh team makes the playoffs. I think a lot of folks are pretty, pretty happy and pretty pleased, despite if they if they're an early out in the postseason. I think people are mm -hmm. pretty pleased that they made it into the postseason just with everything they've had to endure. If they do not, what what do you think the Ravens do here with John Harbaugh, if anything, if they end up missing the playoffs? I don't really think uh, Harbaugh is going to be going anywhere. I don't really think anything is going to happen to him, even if Ravens do miss the playoffs, uh, because he just simply he has an injury pass. Uh, he has an injury pass since literally everybody everywhere, all positions have missed game, have missed time uh, due to injuries this year. Um, and a lot of starters have been out uh, at one point or another, some for longer than other periods of time throughout this season. So I, I don't think anything would happen to John Harbaugh. Now, with those, uh, the decision-making, it has been very, very, very interesting, uh, especially over these past three weeks, uh, with the games being on the line and, and Harbaugh just feeling like, you know what, let's go for the win. Um, I haven't really agreed uh, with any of them. Um, hmm. For all three games, I, I was just for the – because there was a Browns game where he went for two in the fourth quarter. And right. if he would have kicked the extra point – then the Ravens would have been down one score, but he decided to go for two and they missed it. So they still were down by two scores. And his reasoning was, oh, that let us know where we stand. So moving forward, we knew what we had to do for the rest of the game. And they almost came back in one, but they lost. But uh, I, I just I didn't agree with it. I felt like they should have made it a one score game. And um, I, I feel like with a lot of these two point conversions, it's not. I understand going for the win. I understand being aggressive and whatnot. But at the same time, I just feel like you, you need to do what's easier, especially for your quarterback, especially if you got a backup quarterback in. Make his job easier. Um, but I just felt like he hasn't always done that. Uh, and then even in this last game against the Packers, um, 
Great game. Backup quarterback Tyler Huntley. He played a, a an excellent game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially with all the pressure that was on him uh, being just going against Aaron Rodgers, like Aaron Rodgers on the opposite side of you. Uh, you're the backup quarterback. Uh, the season is is hanging in the balance right now. Um, and to be even be down by 14 points in the fourth quarter uh, and to come back, to come back and be in a position to tie the game. But they decided to go for two. So I just uh, I just feel like. I don't know. I, I haven't been really a big fan of the two point conversions, but what what's made it even worse, especially in this last game against the Packers, it was like, OK, we, we weren't surprised that Harbaugh went for two. But just the actual play call itself was OK. If, if you're going to go for two, at least it, it needs to be something better than what it was. Uh, the play court, our quarterback, Tyler Huntley, first Mark Andrews, the tight end. He was mm-hmm. flexed out wide uh, and our quarterback, Tyler Huntley, he rolled out to the right where Mark Andrews is at had his laser focused on him the whole play and threw it right to him. Um, and I just felt like it was just so predictable. And it just, you, you could tell that Mark Andrews was the only option on that play. Uh, so I just, I feel like with the Ravens, they've been fighting, they've been in these games and, and there's a lot of reasons why the Ravens shouldn't be in a lot of these games with everybody that's been hurt. So that's amazing for coaching right then and there. Awesome. And great job by the players. But at the same time, I feel like it's the uh, the situational coaching that's the biggest problem for the Ravens. So we're, we'll talk quarterbacks in just a minute here, mm-hmm. but I, I want to touch on something that you you know you talked about, and basically, essentially, what you're saying is there are three failures of major two point conversion attempts that obviously changed the outcome or changed the trajectory of these last three respective losses. Mm-hmm. Based on that. Do you foresee, I know you're not on the coaching staff, but I mean, you're, you got a good pulse on the team. Do you foresee a situation, let's say this this Sunday against the Bengals, mm-hmm. the game is, is real tight and it's at the end of the game again, similar scenario. <laughs> Does Harbaugh go for it again for the win or would he opt for the tie after these failures? Does it depend on who the quarterback is? I know there's a lot of variables to it, but do you, do you try and... I don't know. What do you do? Do you go that I, go that route again? I don't know, man. Uh, I I really think he would. I, really? I think he would. And um, but maybe all this national attention and all this national spotlight that this is getting these two point conversions again, maybe it might make him change his mind a little bit. But right now, I I would one thousand percent expect him to do it again, even if it hasn't been working, uh, even if they don't have the best play calls drawn up for those situations. I would expect them to do it again. Talking with uh, Justin, our buddy from Engraven Vids, almost 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. I am so jealous, uh, but you do, an, you do an awesome, awesome job covering the NFL, covering the Baltimore Ravens, the AFC North. Go check out his channel. Give him a subscribe. He helps us out and, and uh, makes some great appearance, gives us some great content on this show. Uh, let's, let's talk about it, Justin, the, the quarterback. Right. Uh, so I was pleased enough to be on 410 Sports Talk recently. The You know, you know, the boys, Glenn and James over there. Uh, great guys. And there is a dividing line, it seems, among the fan base, at least from what they tell me about playing a not fully healthy Lamar and a Tyler Huntley who is healthy and obviously coming mm-hmm. off an amazing game last week mm-hmm. against Green Bay. Now, as of Wednesday, 
Uh, Lamar Jackson did not practice on Wednesday. We'll have to see how the rest of the week plays out here. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand on this? And what is the best situation for the Ravens this week? Let's say it's an 80, 85% Lamar Jackson or a fully healthy Tyler Huntley and what he provides the offense. If Lamar Jackson isn't fully healthy, I say, no, don't, don't Mm -hmm. play him. Um, because Mm -hmm. we know what Lamar Jackson can do. We know what he's done. Um, but at the same time, you do not want to risk Lamar Jackson, his long-term health, his long-term future, just for one game or just for two games. Uh, we know what he's capable of, and he is Ravens starting quarterback. He is their guy. Um, and I, I would understand, like, there be being even more pressure on the Ravens possibly playing him if the backup was just doing an absolutely terrible job. Then I, I could see if they would be thinking, oh, man, they, they, we got to we got to play Lamar. We got to play Lamar. But Tyler Huntley, he's shown he can hold it down. Um, and, but and with Lamar, we just I don't want an injury, a serious injury, too, to become yeah. even more serious by them rushing him back. So I say if Lamar is not 100 percent healthy, then let it be Tyler Huntley. So let's let's catch up on a little bit of some of the issues that the Ravens are facing this week. I know they have already had a number of important players out of the lineup prior to this game, you know, talking mm-hmm. about the running back injuries early in the, in the season and or in the preseason and all kinds of different stuff. Um, but this week, guys that you may have been counting on for the Ravens to suit up who have been playing large, large amounts this year. Um, what, what, what's going on this week as they head into the Bengals? What are some of the updates? Just COVID. Uh, the COVID takeover Ravens right now have uh, 15, 15 defensive players that are active right now. That's it. It's 15 um, that are on the active roster. Uh, you got some guys that are on the practice squad too, that would be call-ups and, but uh, there's so many guys right now that are either hurt or on the COVID list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, COVID has been, Running rampant in the NFL, uh, really over these past couple of weeks. I, I did like a, um, I, I saw that clip from uh, from Joe Burrow uh, from <laughs> yesterday, a presser yesterday. When he said, "Well, there's not really much to do in Cincinnati, so that, that's why nobody's really uh, catching it." So that's a good thing. And um, guess, yeah. he, he probably got some mixed mixed uh, replies from that, uh, but it's all good. Um, so yeah, it's we got again. Who's a, who's going to be available? That's going to be a big thing. Um, as it has been all this year, and it's going to continue to be a big thing this week. Uh, probably our biggest, the biggest question mark. Uh, when we played the Bengals, when the Ravens played the Bengals earlier this season, we had a Marlon Humphrey. We yeah. had a Deshaun Elliott. We had a Chuck Clark. Um, but now those <clears throat> guys, well, Chuck Clark could be there. He just had to has to get off the COVID list first. But Marlon Humphrey, he's done for the year. That's it. He's right. out. Um, Robert Jackson is our cornerback. Kevon Seymour, he's another one of our cornerbacks. Chris Westry, hopefully he can play. He'll have to come off the COVID list because he's on there. Jimmy Smith, I know Bengals fans are familiar with him. He'll He's on the COVID list right now. He'll have to come mm-hmm. off. Um, so it has just been a lot. Uh, and our secondary going against Chase, who had a career day, even though his career literally had just got started, he had a career day against the Ravens uh, in that game. Um, T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, who we are very familiar with for obvious reasons. Um, Azuma, he had another. He, he had a great game that game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just leaving him wide open. They said, "Oh, why should we cover the tight end?" <laughs> but um, Ravens secondary 
whoever's left of them, whoever can show up on Sunday, uh, whether it's coming off of the COVID list uh, I mean, and or coming off of injury, who, who can be there to play against these Bengals? That's uh, probably the biggest question mark as far as the uh, the roster and the personnel uh, is with this game. So it's, it's a huge question mark right now. So hopefully we get some answers sometime soon. Yeah, there there is a lot of issues going on in this game. I I don't know if there's maybe a a situation where in this thing maybe moved. I don't know if it starts getting that out of control or what, but um we'll we'll see what happens there. Quickly before we kind of talk about the game itself, some keys and your prediction on it. I want to ask about a specific player on the Ravens because he played for the Bengals last year and did a an admirable job in terms of being a locker room leader spearheading an inexperienced position group and lo and behold he was a former raven and now is a current raven and seems to be kind of doing the same thing for you guys because there was a young struggling linebacker a high pick who now is playing a lot better because they moved his position took a little responsibility off of his plate and gave it to josh Bynes. josh Bynes playing pretty dang good football for you guys uh i don't know if you got just some random thoughts about josh Bynes and how he's been doing this year from the outside looking in I said, I, I'm stoked for the guy, and I'm stoked for the Ravens in that front because Bynes was a, a really good one-year kind of rental pickup for the Bengals last year, and to see him continue his career and do what he's been basically doing for the last handful of years is pretty awesome. Yeah, Josh Bynes has been like the savior for a linebacking unit. Two years ago, um, the Ravens had a young linebacker in Patrick Onwasu, and it was just – it was looking a bit rough and Kenny Young as well. And they were feeling like, okay, well, hopefully these guys can be the future. Hopefully they can take us to that next level and we can ride with them. But it was just rough. Then they made a call, brought Josh Bynes in and also LJ Ford too. Uh, and they completely turned around the, mm -hmm. the, the, the linebacker group. Um, then of course, yeah, he went to the Bengals last year, but this year he's made his return, but only after Patrick Queen was struggling and struggling big time. Um, they made the call again to Josh Bynes, and he came through, and he he saved that linebacker unit again. Um, so I don't know how many times he can keep doing this, <laughs> but we we appreciate that he has been doing this. And, and what's funny is I remember around the time when we uh, signed Josh Bynes, I was just looking up some old stuff and, and found a tweet that said uh, from way back, obviously by this name, it said Josh Bynes will be uh, filling in for Ray Lewis this week at linebacker. So he's been doing this for a long time. A little while. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he got some experience with it. So um, he's just he's been really good. He's been really good. And, and, and the thing with him, what I love about him the most is that it, it's all up here. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all up here. He has the mental part of the game down. And for where he uh, is not as fast as he once was, uh, he makes up for it uh, with the mental part because he knows where, where plays are going. He he can really read and often he does such a great job of that. Um, and he has helped Patrick Queen a lot, like big time. Um, he's he's helped Patrick Queen come along so much and allow, like you talked about, taking some responsibility off of Patrick Queen and allowed him to play more comfortably uh, and more confidently, too. And we've seen a big change in Patrick Queen's game uh, as a result of that. Yeah, aside from doing it for the Bengals last year, kind of reminds me a little bit of the the Hani Jones pickup for the Bengals a little while back, where he was kind Ooh. of a veteran guy that uh, provided a lot of stability and and some roster turnover there. All right, well, we're talking with Justin from Engraven Vids, awesome YouTube channel. Go give him a, sub a subscribe. We'll we'll pop his uh, channel up in just a minute. Let him chat about that. But uh, 
let, let's hear about your take on this one coming up here, the keys. And really, I mean, to me, I'm not sitting here going, oh, the Bengals are going to blow out the Ravens with all this, all the roster issues. I, I think this is going to be a lot tougher of a matchup this time around, mm-hmm. especially with the Ravens kind of backed up against the wall. You know, they may mm-hmm. be swinging even harder right now. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't see this being an easy walk in the park, despite the potential vacancies on the Ravens roster this week. But because of that, they will need to deal with that. What do the Ravens need to do to make this not even close, but potentially pull out a win at Paul Brown Stadium this weekend? Mm, that, that, that would be something. Real quick, the guy, Damani Jones, the guy that you talked to, is, was that the guy? That was the guy with the suits, right? Yeah, yeah, bow ties. Yeah, the bow ties. Oh, the bow ties. That's he had the bow ties, okay. and he did. He had the little show on. Uh, not little show. He had a show called the Honey Tackles the Globe. If you remember okay. that one, that was okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dude, right. dude was like a NFL Renaissance man. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was. He was, he was an interesting <laughs> cat. <laughs> yeah, that name. I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ravens usually when they're in this, these positions, um, they usually do a pretty good job. Uh, and feels like for the majority of the season, they have found themselves uh, in these positions based off of the roster. Um, in this game, I, yeah, I, I just – I can't see a blowout, um, really, from either team. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be a blowout last last time we played the Bengals either, and look what happened. But in this game, I just uh, – the offense has to just continue doing what they did, like last week just moving the ball down the field, um, get that short passing game. But if they can get some deep passes in too, that would do wonders for them. Because last week, um, by the stat sheet, they technically got some deep passes in, but it was really just yak. The yards after the catch that made uh, some of those short passes end up going for longer. But they didn't really get any deep passes last week. But if they can get that this week and just really just continue progressing that offense, um, whether it's going to be Tyler Huntley, whether it's going to be Lamar, Seeming like it's going to be Tyler Huntley as of right now. Um, today is Thursday is 1.55 p.m. Eastern time. So it hasn't come out if Lamar practiced today or not. Um, and I got to double check on that later. Uh, but the Ravens had a presser today. And that, that presser featured uh, Greg Roman, Ravens offensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, Ravens defensive coordinator, Chris Horton, Ravens special teams coordinator, and also Tyler Huntley. So if the presser is telling then it's looking like it's going to be Tyler Huntley. We'll see. Uh, but Tyler Huntley just had to keep doing what he's been doing. Um, now, as far as defense, we know our personnel is down. Um, but the biggest thing with the defense, I would say tackling. Last time we played the Bengals, tackling was the biggest issue. And that t- that turned every- these short plays into these big games, like the, uh, the chase, the Jamar chase, that 80-some-yard touchdown. Uh, it was like a six, seven, maybe eight-yard slant play. Okay, that's it. All you got to do, wrap up, make the tackle. But nope, they didn't want to tackle. And Jamal Chase didn't want to go down. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make my way to the end zone here at MT Bank Stadium. Um, so if, if Ravens are going to have a chance in this one, offense has to get going. It has to get going early. So important that they get going early because that just changes the game a lot. Uh, but in the defense, whoever's left on defense this week, they are going to have to wrap up and tackle. Good points. Good points. And the Bengals on, uh, speaking of the deep ball and whatnot, the Bengals, Chidobia Wuzie, he's been on the COVID list for a little bit as well. He's played oh, really? well largely this year. Yeah, he was on the COVID list last week. And to my knowledge, he was still oh. on it this week. So that's something to monitor there. We'll see what happens the rest of the week. And then also 
Um, Eli Apple's been been playing better, but he's been uh, he's been publicly talking a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to we'll have to see what happens there. <laughs> and uh, so hopefully he steps up. Trey Waynes is has uh, made his return, did not have a great week last week. So that's mm-hmm. definitely a matchup to watch for sure. You got a prediction, uh, Justin, on the game score prediction? Oh, boy. Score prediction. Um, I say 28-27. I say uh, Ravens, they end up – Bengals end up getting the lead. Uh, Ravens end up coming back. They get the touchdown, that, uh, and they could get the potentially game-time <laughs> field goal to send it to overtime, but they end up going for two again. So, and Bengals yeah. take it. Hopefully I'm wrong, though. But based off of uh, recent history – uh, with the Ravens, uh, that aggressiveness. Um, yeah, so we'll see, though. It, it should be a good game, but Ravens like to do the unexpected. Uh, hopefully they do some crazy unexpected. I, I know this is this is really a must-win game for the Ravens. Uh, this game is just is, is so huge for the Ravens, and it could have been less huge if they would have put themselves in better position by making better decisions, but it's okay. They're here, and this is what it is now. So, oh, I know it's going to be stressful. So, yeah, yeah, it's likely that this one decides the AFC North crown. So mm. we'll uh, we'll see what mm. happens. Tight, <laughs> tight division, though, and a lot still to play mm-hmm. out in three games. It's crazy. Yes, but, uh, Justin, I, I greatly appreciate your time. You are, as I mentioned, and no, not not blowing smoke, man. You are one of our favorite guests on this. My my co-host, John Sheeran, unfortunately, uh, when we scheduled this, he couldn't make the time, but said to say hello. And, uh, you know, you're, you're oh, one yeah. of our favorites for sure. Uh, if you could real quick, I know you're up against it a little bit, but um, here is uh, Justin's YouTube channel here. Almost 50,000 subscribers. I have subscribed not only our show, but my personal account as well. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your channel, what you do. I know you talk a lot of Ravens, but you do a lot yeah. of AFC North and a lot of <laughs> NFL stuff. Actually, Justin, for those who don't know, Justin was kind of my inspiration for our little happening headlines, NFL headline show that we do to kick off weeks. So my my cap gets tipped to him for the uh the inspiration there but uh, tell us a little bit about your channel and how people can subscribe etc well yeah it's the sing raven vids um we uh we just talk football on there obviously a ravens fan we talk a lot of ravens football we do videos each and every single day uh even in the off season so if um if you get tired of talking football it might not be the place for you but if you love hearing about football each and every day even in the off season, when things are busy, when things are not busy, we're talking it all the time. So fans of every team are more than welcome. Uh, it's team, keep it clean. And, and what that is, it's, it's a family-friendly channel. It's for everybody. Um, we also have uh, – it's very interactive as well uh, because we have this thing called questions from subscribers uh, where people can email me questions or patrons. They can send it right on Patreon, and we answer questions in the video. So super, super interactive, like I said, for everybody. Uh, we you know you come over there and talk a little trash if you want to, but we all show each other respect. Uh, that's the biggest thing to me. Um, and that's that's just what it is. It's just respect. Uh, no matter what team you're a fan of, no matter who you like, who you don't like, or whatever team you like or don't like, it's just all about showing respect and showing love. So we have a lot of fun over there. So you're more than welcome to come check it out. Awesome channel, and I respect the heck out of that approach, man. People can be ruthless on social media, oh, yeah. and there are uh, a lot of Twitter <laughs> tough guys and all kinds of stuff out there. So I respect the heck out of what you're doing there. Appreciate your time. I know you're up against it, but uh, this has been awesome catching up. Have fun Sunday. Have a good holiday season. Happy New Year. All that good stuff, my friend. I right, appreciate you having me on, man. We'll see you all soon. Right. Take it easy. 
All right, so that was Justin of Engraven Vids. Cool, cool interview there. Uh, gave us a lot of time. Generous of him to do so, and uh, a lot of astute observations by him, John. Absolutely, man. Justin always brings it. Um, someone said that I missed the interview because I eloped with Hoji the Electric Smoke. Oh, is that is that what happened? I don't know how that got out. I'm gonna have to take this <laughs> Urban Meyer approach and show these hands to whoever leaked that information. But um, yeah, that wasn't supposed to be public knowledge. <laughs> By the way, I'm seeing uh, he said it on two different platform mediums. I think it was uh, Bill Steinau saying you, you picked the Ravens. We'll get your prediction on this show. I don't know if you picked the Ravens on on DNH. I haven't had a chance to catch up on that yet. So. Um, well, we'll get your prediction in a minute. I, I kind of said just, uh, you know, catching up, we've got a few more minutes here, catching up on, um, you know, keys for this game. I've kind of said that I feel like the Bengals need to get off to at least a little bit of a quicker start. Ironic that Justin said that also about the Ravens and what they need to do on offense. I think the Bengals need to come out, uh, you know, and score some points pretty early here and kind of plant the seed in the minds of the Ravens that, yeah, your roster is kind of hurting, and we're gonna we're gonna put points on you there. So that's one of my keys. I don't know some of your keys and matchups that you are looking at this week, particularly with so many players out of the lineup, et cetera. Always love a fast start. Is there a game where you don't want to have a fast start? I know. You know? It's like no, start slow. <laughs> don't score. You know, start slow is exactly what the Bengals typically do. I think every time they want to start fast, they end up not scoring a touchdown right. until the third freaking quarter. So. Starting fast would be nice. It's not it's not expected with this Bengals team because they never seem to do. It's true, though. Ravens have a skeleton crew uh, on defense. It's not the defense that they faced in Baltimore week seven. Despite their inadequacies on offense in recent weeks, this is not a very good defense that they're about to face. It's still a defense that likes to blitz the hell out of the quarterback. And it's interesting with there's been a weird shift in Joe Burrow's game in recent weeks where he's been a lot more effective in clean pockets or just against four-man rushes compared to when teams blitz him. And that wasn't the case earlier in the season. Like in the first 10 or so weeks, he was much better at making decisions and much more productive against the blitz in comparison to when teams just rushed four. That has not been the case in the last four weeks. I don't know how Baltimore plans to manage that because they like to blitz. And it certainly didn't work out when they faced uh, them back in week seven. But I think blitzing might be the only thing that they can do because they don't have the personnel in the secondary to match up and and man coverage in those situations. So we might just see a classic Baltimore pressure heavy type defense out there. And that should bode well in theory for the Bengals because say what you want about what they've done and haven't done in recent weeks. They have the talent to eviscerate this defense with the issues that they have going on right now. And honestly, Tyler Huntley, the, that whole situation with that, they have at least formulated a plan to counter what Lamar Jackson does. They've almost built their defense around defending Lamar Jackson. To have another quarterback in there in, in Huntley who does similar things, but is also doing some other things differently compared to Jackson and is a little bit more efficient in terms of just getting the ball into the right spots. I don't know how they adjust for that. I think it's going to be really interesting, especially because the Bengals really have two healthy linebackers that they probably trust at this yep. point. They like to use three linebackers against the Ravens when Lamar Jackson's out there. I, I wonder, Anthony, does them starting Tyler Huntley dramatically change what they like to do on defense against the Ravens? And could that be potentially competitive edge for the Ravens, giving them a new, potentially new offense 
that the Bengals may or may not be prepared for. Well, we we've seen the Bengals defense uh, present and past have issues with adjustments at quarterbacks. You go to the Jets game, Mike White looked like an absolute all-star in that game, and they they didn't have a lot of film on him. You go to last week, Teddy Bridgewater exits the game with an unfortunate injury. Drew Locke comes in, and yes, he had the fumble uh, that was stripped away from him on a on a little keeper there. But he was throwing the ball deeper downfield and had a bigger touchdown pass and, and made a couple more plays than Teddy did in that game. And the, and the Bengals' defense seemed to be on their heels a little bit on that one. So, um, you know, while they may have had in the back of their mind, we may be facing Tyler Huntley this week, um, you know, I, to your point, I, I think there may be a little bit of a competitive advantage for the Ravens there, just a little bit of a lack of film and, and all kinds of stuff. But they do a number of similar things using their legs, you know, multi-threat guys. It's not like they're completely different quarterbacks, but you're right. He is more efficient with the ball. He may not get the deep passes going like Lamar Jackson has improved upon two wideouts in recent years, but he he's efficient with the ball and he's using Mark Andrews. So that's something to watch. And, and to your point about the Ravens potentially blitzing more, I do think that happens. Burrow is great against the blitz. He's shown that. Um, the, the numbers show it, and, and there's a lot of data points that that show that. Uh, the one issue, though, with blitzing, if you are the Bengals offense, there have been a number of times, and I think you referenced one earlier with Justin Simmons, the free defensive back blitzes that come that come unblocked. Those have been a little bit of a problem for the Bengals this year. I mean, offensive line play has been up and down in general, but those free defensive back blitzers, those are uh, those have been a little bit of a problem. Yeah, man, and it's been consistently for it seems like the last three years or something like that, and that was an issue or at least it was a worry for me in this first matchup back in week seven. You know, how are they going to handle that? How, how are they going to respond? The offensive line played one of their better games in that game. Um, and in this game, they could be, the Ravens could be without Justin Houston, who gave Jonah Williams some trouble uh, in that first matchup. Yeah. So not having him potentially back could be really big for Williams. Just in general, like, I don't know. Like, the, the Ravens defense, they usually come to play, but they're just not the same unit because... They don't really have the personnel. And that kind of leads me to a comment that Ravens defensive coordinator Wink Martindale said to mm-hmm. media members on Thursday afternoon. It was on the subject of what they were going to do to counter defend Jamar Chase. They were coming off the game where they played Devontae Adams. And I think there was a screenshot of the Ravens triple teaming with double brackets over on top of Devontae Adams to show the respect that he had. And someone asked them if they were going to do something similar to Chase and the full Martindale quote was this, quote, Adams is one of the top two receivers in the league, and he's not number two. Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and I don't think we're ready to buy a gold jacket for Joe Burrow. Now, many people ran with the Joe Burrow comment, but I think also there was a conversation about why would you not double team Jamar Chase? Teams have had somewhat of a successful run doing so in the last month ever since that Ravens game, and also the fact that you know Chase destroy the Ravens and why would you not put attention on him but I think the answer at least from the Ravens perspective is simple they don't have the guys to double team one of one of these receivers and expect to not get destroyed by the other two like at this point you have to account for all three of the Bengals receivers and I don't know especially because Jamar Chase has not exactly been the hottest receiver in the NFL for the last six or seven weeks I don't know how you can commit multiple assets or resources towards stopping Jamar Chase when T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd can easily pop off just as much as Jamar Chase did in that game. At this point, the Ravens can't afford to double-team anybody because they don't have the bodies to do so. 
I, when you look at this quote, and I said this on, uh, I was on uh, Strawberry Ice's show earlier. You can see there's a little little box at the bottom there where we're having our little inbox conversation uh, at the bottom of that screen there. But um, when you look at the quote, I, I kind of said this earlier today. I'm like, all Martindale really needed to do is just say, we're not going to triple, double or triple team Jamar Chase or not even talk about that. Just say we have a game plan in place. And then... Just stop it at the comma after QB. You don't need you don't need to talk about the gold jacket stuff. You don't need to make that comment <laughs> if, you're, if you're that guy. And we, it's just kind of like why why did you go there? Why? I, I and and we talked about potentially fuel for the fire of of Joe Burrow and you know him not getting the Pro Bowl nod. Then you've got potential bulletin board material like this coming off of the first game wherein Burrow and Chase dominated. I I, I don't I just simply don't understand. The, the the thought process here unless they are just supremely confident and, and really want to show that we are not afraid of anybody i guess maybe is the the point i, I, I know, I'm at I, know a loss. I know that they're two separate um situations here but bulletin board material was a thing when these last two teams played and Bengals fans weren't exactly worried when logan wilson didn't insult lamar jackson but it was taken as an insult in mm-hmm. his throwing ability a bunch of people thought that that was going to be bulletin board material for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson did not play very well that game. Did it matter? Of course it didn't because it doesn't matter. None of these things matter. Of course, Joe Burrow seems like that guy that does take things personally. Sometimes he has got, he's got that mindset. He's taken things personally ever since he transferred from Ohio state to LSU. And that's kind of how he's, he's built uh, this persona of his, but Joe Burrow can dominate the Ravens with or without guys saying that he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't know if it's going to matter that much, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, let's let's start wrapping uh, wrapping things up. We're going a little long, and and we but we've had an awesome interview and a lot of good a lot of good chats here. Just a quick update on some of the things there. Um, we in the interview with Justin that was done earlier today on Thursday, and he there was not a report on Lamar Jackson yet, and he it, it did not practice um, this again on Thursday. So that's, that's looking more and more like it's Tyler Huntley time for the Ravens as more and more time passes here. They've got a slew of people on the COVID list. As we've, as we've mentioned, uh, Justin Matabuke is another guy who, who's a defensive lineman, a valuable guy there. You talked about Justin Houston and others. Um, I think I was correct in, in what I had, uh, said about a woozie, correct? I mean, he uh, has been on the COVID list missed last week and uh, has still not been cleared as of yet um, for, for the Bengals. Uh, am, I, am I correct in that, John? That is correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the weird one, John, as the Bengals were kind of, thankfully things kind of righted itself on the special teams front in a lot of ways last week, but the weird one is Puka Williams being su- suspended for two games for PED, uh, <laughs> PED substances there. Kind of came out of nowhere, and so a lot of people who want to see him potentially be a kick returner, that's not going to happen until the end of the year, if at all. Yeah, yeah. I think Trent Taylor has already kind of solidified himself. I think Zach Taylor said uh, more or less that he's going to get another chance. People talked about, yeah, Pooh's got to put on some weight at 170. Well, I guess he tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's accurate. Uh, all right. I mean, it, you are absolutely killing William Steinau in the in the in the live chats. He has asked probably three or four times about your <laughs> prediction. Did, so did did you predict that the Bengals would lose on DNH? Is that is that where this is stemming from? 
I did, and the rationale was because if they start Tyler Huntley, I, I, Huntley, I think that can be a competitive advantage for the Ravens. At the time, I wasn't truly aware of, I don't know, the, the extent of that that COVID list and, and what's going on with that, and I guess the developments of, of the past couple of days. William Steinall is asking, how can John pick the Ravens? Exactly like this, William. Ravens win. And you know what? The Bengals always do the opposite of what I think they're going to do. Get you doing this is for you guys. Thing. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I've been thinking about this and it's, I, I've kind of been telling people a little bit like, you know, who do you think is going to win? And I'm kind of like, well, ask me at different points in the day and I have different answers for you and different opinions for you. Um, there is a, a part of me that thinks the Bengals could, could have a nice win here. Not necessarily anything close to resembling the big blowout from, uh, you know, a couple months ago, but you know, something where it's, you know, pretty, pretty neatly in hand, uh, somewhat early, you know, into the fourth quarter and, and they've got it wrapped up. There's a part of me that says, when do the Baltimore Ravens lose four games in a row? When they, they, they never do. And, and now you've got them left for dead. Like we keep talking about with the Steelers and the Ravens are an organization that just are incredibly well run and much like the Steelers. And when you think they're out of it, they aren't out of it. So, I, uh, you know, at, at this, at this point, I think I will say that the Bengals win maybe, maybe a, uh, a 30 to 30 to 21 type of game. I, I've, I've, Honestly, I've been thinking about picking the Ravens in this one though too. I, I really have just because I think I just I don't I don't buy that the Ravens are going to lose four in a row, even if it's against the Bengals, even if it's in Cincinnati, even if they've got all these guys out. I, I, I find it very hard to believe that they will lose four in a row, but it is set up well for the Bengals to take care of business. Going toe to toe with the Green Bay Packers with a backup quarterback and also with a lot of people out in that game, it's not nothing. It's not like the Ravens are just left for dead at this point and they're just a trash team. I know that they've lost three in a row and one of them was to the Browns and one of them was to the Steelers. In these three losses, they've lost by a combined four points. Like they're not getting destroyed in these games. They're not playing necessarily bad football. They're still a, a good team and they can still easily win this division. It, so I understand that the Bengals should probably win this game based off of everything that's going on. And I wouldn't argue with you if you say that the Bengals are going to win, but it's not like this team is just completely dead in the water at this point. I do think that if, you know, if, if the Bengals have even a relatively convincing win in this one, that's, that's going to point to some really good things coming, coming not only long-term, but just, coming this year. I mean, I think, I think if, if you can get a convincing win against this team, despite all the absences and all of that, just with the situation and what's at stake, um, I think that's a really promising sign. And we've had this conversation at least five times this year. Is this the biggest game right. of, of the Zach Taylor area of the, of the Bengals season? Of course, it's always going to be the next game. Yeah. But to your point, there's some conversations about, is this game going to be sold out or not? And I'm not going to sit here while a COVID variant is running rampant across America and say, go into a 60,000 seat stadium packed in with at least maybe half people who aren't vaccinated and support your team. I'm not going to be the guy that will get on fans for not doing that. But if they do win this game and in all likelihood, it, it gets them in control in all likelihood of winning the division. I do think it goes a long way 
in terms of ensuring in the future when things are better in terms of COVID that these games will be more filled out because it takes time to really earn trust back with a fan base that has witnessed 30 years of lack of playoff success and distrust with the organization. A win like this in this situation to really shift the whole power dynamic of the AFC North, I really do think that will go a long way in terms of just solidifying support with this era of Bengals football to come. So those are our thoughts on the game, as well as those from Justin of Engraven Vids. Go check out Engraven Vids YouTube channel. I think you'll find it really enjoyable, not only for Ravens insight, AFC North insight, but NFL insight. Our thanks to him for joining us. Uh, let's drop the mic and get out of here. John holiday edition. What do you got for us as we get out of here? Yeah, nothing much. Just everyone who has followed us and listened to us and downloaded the content. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, not happy new year yet. We're going to talk to you next week. Um, but yeah, just stay safe out there with, with, with whatever holiday you are celebrating. Crip keepers asking, uh, what is Randall getting for Christmas? He's getting to live here still. I could easily throw him out on the street. Run He's free. a skeleton with one arm. You know, he's living here rent free. He does nothing but provides entertainment <laughs> for you all. So his gift is that he gets to stay here. There you go. Roof over Randall's head. That's his, that's his gift. I love it. Yeah. I just, I, I don't really have too much either. Just, you know, thank you of course, to our listeners who have supported us this year. We've seen another good amount of growth, um, not only from this show, but the others on the Cincy jungle podcast channel. So stoked on that. And uh, it's been a whirlwind past 24 hours Four ten sports talk. The guys that joined us the first time, the first game this year, Glenn and James, awesome guys. I was on their show yesterday. That is up on their YouTube channel. So please, please, please go check that out. Good chat with those guys. Always fun catching up. I mentioned Justin from Engraven Vids. Um, our buddy, the Orange Arrow, is gonna he's gonna help us drop a fantasy football episode for the Christmas holiday coming up here. So um, you'll be wanting to to see that. And our thanks to him. I mentioned I was on Strawberry Ice's show earlier today as well. So We've been making the rounds a little bit. I know you did your great work on DNH Sports, John, and uh, you've been doing some other appearances. Uh, did you do? Did you do some this week? I know you did some uh, leading up to the game last week for the Denver game. Did you do any for the opposition this week? Yes, we did. Uh, me and Daddy have sat down with the Believe in Ravens podcast, which That's features right. Daniel Wilcox, who was a former Ravens yeah. head, and he provided some good insight on the game. So definitely check that out at DNH Sports, wherever you get your podcast, and DNH Sports on YouTube. Yeah, awesome. And so just a bunch of thanks all around to all of those programs for having us and uh, wanting to hear us talk. We had a long episode, John. I apologize for that to you. But Never have to apologize for, your... for the show, man. <laughs> well, thank you for your your great insight and, and valuable contributions. I hope that the Bengals uh, prove us wrong in a lot of ways this Sunday. This is a, an important game and a game that uh, will will have a lot of weight with the postseason picture. Someone is asking, thank you for not bringing up Burroughs' comments about Cincinnati. Well, I guess we just did. We didn't really have time to talk about it, though. Yeah, Justin brought it up a little bit, too. Uh, so we, well, we're just going to let that we're gonna let that lie a little bit. But <laughs> uh, at any rate, thanks, John. Thank you to the listeners. Go get this show either on our YouTube channel, icon down below, John there, uh, and the Cincy Jungle logo. Click that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live. If you like our videos, give us a thumbs up, too, if you would. And, of course, go, if you like the audio platform, go on your favorite audio streamer. Subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. And uh, leave us a review if you can. Take care, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Enjoy yourself. As John said, be safe. And we will catch up with you 
on Sunday, post-game show, all that good stuff. John, take care, bud. Festivus.